Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Hey. Hi, what's up? Uh, just thinking about our lovely patrons for this week. Oh, yeah. Should we give them a shout out? Let's give them a shout out <laughs> this week. Okay. So this week we had Fiona, Felicity, Brianna, Julia, Bianca, Carla, Kevin, Shelby, Richard, Jory, Carolyn, Kimmy, Zoe, Dana, Madeline, Kelsey, Amanda and Celeste. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys a lot. Okay, so the past few weeks, I would say we were having a little bit of heavier episodes. <laughs> would you think that's e- true, Rachel? Yeah, some uh-huh. pretty tragic deaths the past two weeks. Right. So I figured this week I'm going to lighten it the fuck up a bit. Okay, good. So um, as you've already saw- probably seen the title of this podcast, <laughs> it's not really a surprise. <laughs> So this week, I'm going to kind of do a deep dive into a very famous celebrity um, and decent exposure case. Which one could that be, Desi? Uh, that would be the rise and fall of children's superstar, Pee Wee Herman. Uh, because that's not like a meaty enough case for a full episode, I have another story that's related to it, as well as another famous uh, and decent exposure uh, Hollywood case. Because we got to love it. We got right? I love it. And you know what? Pee Wee Herman was probably... Um, my first comedy icon. Oh, really? Yeah, I watched, like, my mom taped for me every single episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse. I had two gigantic VHS tapes filled with Pee Wee's Playhouse back-to-back episodes from 1986 and 1987. Right. Including all the commercials. My mom, thank God, she taped all the commercials, too. They're so fucking good. And I watched those two tapes. Maybe there was, like, three tapes. I mean, it was, like, a lot of... It was, like, hours and hours and hours. And I loved Pee Wee Herman. I still do. Yeah. He's cool. He's he's an icon. (laughs) Definitely. You know who's not an icon is my fucking cat who's jumping all over the table right now. She's so horny lately. What the fuck is wrong? She's like, talk about May meltdown. Your cat is having like a horny meltdown. Dude, (laughs) she is so horny lately. What is going on with you, Romy? Get off the table. Go away. She looks like a huge horny ham. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's like a butterball turkey trying to fuck you or something. You know I love you, Romy. I know. We love you. Okay, but just settle down for serious. Yes, please. I have to concentrate. Okay, get off the table. So let's get into the life of Pee Wee Herman, a.k.a. Paul Robbins. Your your cat is literally trying to fuck me. I mean, I get it. Okay, I'm getting off the table. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on. Take two. Okay, so... Paul Rubens was born Paul Rubenfeld in Peekskill, New York, and he actually grew up in Sarasota, Florida, where his parents, Judy and Milton Rubenfeld, owned a lamp store. Oh. <laughs> Do you think he ever put a lampshade on his head <laughs> and did that funny bit? Oh, my I bet God. he did. I bet he did. So as a child, uh, Paul Rubens would frequently go to the Ringling, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, who had their winter headquarters in Sarasota. And the circus atmosphere really sparked his interest in entertainment and ultimately would influence his work later on, like being around that kind of stuff. He also was a big fan of I Love Luffy. Lu- I Love Luffy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I Love Lucy. That's like if you love your loofah. <laughs> Look, I can make a porn parody about I Love Luffy. <laughs> you <Okay>. watch me. <laughs> <laughs> and just like me, he wanted to make people laugh when he grew up, Rachel. So at the age of five, he actually asked his father to build him a stage where he and his siblings would put on little plays. That's pretty cute. I mean, that is like the quintessential I want to be a funny person when I grow up is you're always putting on plays for your family, right. whether or not they want to see it or well, not. I identify strongly with putting on plays for people who did not want to see Ask either of my parents or my grandparents. I was always making my cousins put on shows. I once did Grease all by myself. Every part. (laughs) 
you did not with costume changes wait believe me i put on my mom's white norma kamali suit to play the teen angel (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry wait do you want to hear i'm gonna take it even a step further okay when i was like set age like seven to like 11 i had one of those my first sony little um yes do you remember those? <laughs> yes it i was, know what they are okay you, you put a cassette tape in and it had a microphone that uh, came out yes. of it and you would like you're supposed to sing into it and make your own music mm-hmm. desi i had a fucking podcast what yes without me well, <laughs> me and i would my brother would do it and then whenever i'd have friends over i'd be like I'm going to interview you and I would just talk and like explain what was going on in the world and with my oh life. Oh my God. That's and hilarious. I would talk into this thing and make tapes of it. Literally the number one obsession of my life as a child was talking into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't even think of something that made me no. more fucking excited than so talking into a microphone. Excited. So it is pretty ironic. Right. Look at us now. Oh, okay. Desi. <laughs> you know what? We, we've come so far. <laughs> From being abused and doing lots of drugs. We've come so far. Thank you, Rachel. I don't know what's going on with me tonight. Uh, I know what's going on with me. I smoked a lot of weed before. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, I'm not stoned now. I'm professional. It's just residual. So um, Paul attended Sarasota High School, and he was actually named the president of the National Thespian Society. At that point, he really knew that he wanted to be an actor. He was accepted into Northwestern summer program for gifted high school students. I was also gifted, by the way. And he performed at local regional theater type places around Florida. After graduation, he attended Boston University and then tried to get into acting schools. He did not get into Juilliard where, where he applied, but he was accepted at uh, CalArts, which is uh, kind of just north of L.A. Well, that's where I got waitlisted. Really? Yeah, it's the only college uh, I applied to. Oh, wow. So while he was there, he worked in like kitchens, and he was also a fuller brush salesman. And I looked that up. Fuller brush was like a mop sweeper, like those sweepers and stuff. It was like that thing where you would go door to door, basically. Right, uh, right. Kind of selling stuff, which is sort of funny. So this is like the 70s now when he's at CalArts and in L.A. He began performing at local comedy clubs, and he actually made four guest appearances on The Gong Show. Oh. He was in a boy-girl girl act with um, a former, uh, a future Groundling cast member with him named Charlotte McGinnis, and they had an act called The Hilarious Betty and Eddie. I actually, they were kind of like a sound effect duo. Like, they would do this funny, like, back-and-forth kind of sound effects. And I also saw some clips of him where he was doing like song parody type things. Oh. Um, and it was actually kind of funny. So you can find those clips on YouTube. They're on YouTube. So I would definitely recommend checking them out because I love the fucking gong show. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I love it. I love JP Morgan too. And she's in these clips judging Pee Wee. So it's pretty great. So at that point, as I mentioned before, he joins the um, L.A.-based improvisational comedy theater, The Groundlings. Which is where Phil Hartman came yes, up. Yes, and he was with Phil Hartman. Right, they the were Groundlings. friends. They were friends. So he's with um, Phil Hartman there, and they obviously become great friends. They start writing and working on material together almost immediately. In 1980, he gets a small part as a waiter in the Blues Brothers, and that's his first like screen, big screen appearance. So the character of Pee Wee Herman actually originates in a 1978 improv exercise that happened at the Groundlings. Rubens came up with the idea of a man who wanted to be a comic but was so bad at telling jokes that it was obvious to the audience that he would never make it. So it was just like (laughs) that was sort of the origin of this character. Phil Hartman at the time helped him sort of develop the character past that sketch. Uh, Another man who was a groundling named John Paragon also kind of started helping writing these Pee-wee and like show ideas uh, that would be for Pee-wee. Rubens says that there's no really specific source for peewee like it's a combination of different influences um he said his voice for peewee originated in 1970 when he appeared in a production of life with father he was cast as an obnoxious character in the play and he kind of had a cartoon like speaking voice for that character and that was like an early influence for how peewee spoke the name was the name of some harmonica that he had as a child. Herman was the surname of an energetic boy that he knew in childhood. <laughs> so it's like all of these things kind of right. just were pulled. And then the gray suit that Pee Wee eventually sort of becomes his signature look. 
That was just found at the Groundlings Theater. The owner of the Groundlings or the founder of the um, Groundlings, Gary Austin, gave it to him at some point. And then one night before he went on as Pee Wee, someone gave him the little bow tie. So it just kind of just naturally evolved all of these elements. Now, uh, the 1980 to 1981 season of Saturday Night Live, Paul Rubens auditions for this, but he is passed over for comic, comic Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, uh, and apparently like they had a very similar vibe. I can kind of see like they both are have that obnoxious. They have a voice. Th- it's obnoxious in a different way. I think yeah. Pee-wee's a, you can tolerate for a lot longer than Gottfried's voice. Right. It's just different. So I would this say. was like a real bitter thing for Paul. Really? Yeah. Because he considered Gilbert to be friends with the owner or like the Lauren Michaels. Right. So he kind of got picked whatever, but that's Hollywood baby. (laughs) Like as if I know, um, the funny thing is, uh, after Pee Wee gets or Paul gets arrested later in life, Godfrey creates like a very big scandal on the Emmy awards right after, um, Paul Rubin's arrest. Are we going to talk about that later? Yeah, no, I'm going to talk about it right now. Okay. So he, goes on he says hi i'm jerry seinfeld stand in and then he goes into a monologue about paul rubens being arrested like whatever as peewee and he says if masturbation is a crime i should be on death row (laughs) if masturbation is against the law i should have been sent to the electric chair years ago so he goes on this like rant about jerking off right on primetime television on the emmys like tv's classiest night you guys iconic and of course the audience is fucking dying right but uh you know the C- like the academy of televisions arts and sciences and um like whatever the station was cbs were like literally and flipping christian out. moms who were yeah because they initially in. had said oh sure like make some peewee Her- herman jokes but then he went into like all this masturbation stuff I didn't find a clip of this. I did find some articles on it, but I just thought it was a pretty funny tidbit that the person who kind of got passed over him almost like defended him basically right, right. Uh, at this thing. So, and as we know about Gottfried, he did kind of continue that <laughs> controversial life. Yes. What was his famous like tweeting about 9-11 and fucking Steve Irwin's daughter? Wait, he f- talked about fucking Steve Yeah, Irwin's he made a daughter? joke about having sex with Bindi. Okay, well, <laughs> look. <laughs> Look, like, I don't, I don't know what the joke. How was. old was she when he said that? Well, I mean, obviously she's a minor. It <laughs> wouldn't be funny. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That was the controversy, Rachel. Right, right. The other thing he did was we talk. Well, look, we talk about Gilbert Gottfried a lot he, on, on a, the the Twitter show, right? We did a uh, episode called "Tweets That Got the Stars in Trouble." Right. So he did that, the Affleck or whatever. Right. Yeah. He was the goose or whatever the fuck. <laughs> It was a duck. Anyway, so as I said, um, Paul was very angry and bitter that he got passed over. And it was at that point he does what the best people do. You use that rage and jealousy to kind of create your own thing. Right. It's the best thing to do with it. Uh, So he borrows money and he starts his own basically like a one-person show as Pee Wee Herman in L.A. And Phil Hartman was on that Uh, show. Yes. So... um, the guy I mentioned before, John Paragon, Phil Hartman, and Lynn Marie Stewart, who will go on to play Miss Yvonne on the TV show, uh, they all get together. They basically create this show at the Roxy Theater that's called the Pee Wee Herman Show. It sells out for five straight months. They do midnight shows for adults, and they do matinees for kids. So oh. he's already starting this dual kind of thing. Right, because right? it was dirtier. The show for adults was definitely dirty. Oh, yeah, dirty. and there was the HBO special that yeah. aired that was very dirty. It was very dirty. And that's dirty. probably what I saw first. So uh, Really? Yeah. So... He basically this show kind of has becomes this underground hit, right? Yeah. And then the HBO thing's bigger. He appears as Pee Wee in Cheech and Chong, a Cheech and Chong movie. It's actually Cheech and Chong's next movie. I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So he is playing Pee Wee in that big movie, (laughs) and uh, he's actually billed in that movie as Hamburger Dude. So it's like he's not (laughs) called Pee Wee Herman in the movie, but he is basically the character. And as I said, like. He gets obsessive fans at this point. Like yeah. people love this fucking stage show. It is just like written up everywhere. He's considered the weirdest comedian around. Like he becomes pretty much famous in this underground kind of way as Pee Wee. Now, uh, as he starts to get more famous, he starts to like 
keep himself out of the spotlight. He doesn't really love being in the spotlight. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense if you're right. playing if you're playing this character. It's right. It makes him even more like Paul Rubens doesn't exist. Like it's Pee right. Wee Herman. No, like I remember when I first knew Pee Wee Herman, I didn't know who he was. Like right. Uh, so he really to kind of up this like you know suspension of disbelief or whatever he really makes it like he's never going on tv tv as paul rubens he's right. always going on as peewee herman I'm saying it adds to the mystique of definitely Pee-wee. um so he kind of really wants the public to think this is a real person right. basically he would even go so far as to call his parents honey herman and herman herman <laughs> like as if that's Pee Wee herman's parents um he also kind of got even bigger when he started making appearances on late night with david letterman that was as Wee. yeah as Wee. So this is now like the mid mid 80s and he really starts traveling the country with his show even doing a show in 1984 at Carnegie Hall like that's how 1984 big it, in 1984 right So um obviously this stage show is a huge success success Warner Brothers says we want to hire you to write a full length feature film based on Pee-wee. Yep. So he initially has an idea to do a film that's almost like a remake of the the movie Pollyanna. Have you ever seen Pollyanna? Of course. I mean, not since I was very little. I honestly like have not seen Pollyanna from from also when I was very little. And I looked it up again just to kind of refresh my memory because I, I tweeted earlier, actually, like, this is literally one of my favorite genres when I was a kid was, like, very positive children being knocked the fuck down by reality. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really was like, see? Like, that's what I liked watching. Like, little girls who are very positive get knocked on their ass by fucking reality so I could sit there and go, now what are you going to do, bitch? <laughs> Which is why you love Flowers in the Attic so much. Exactly. That's- or any of those shows. Heidi, the you know, like, fucking at the little... Princess, a little princess, yeah, a little right. princess, like all of those shows, even like Annie to some extent, it's like, you're going to get sad sometime. You need to accept it, honey. <laughs> but Pollyanna seems particularly dark and I want to watch it again. Now. I don't even remember what it was about. I just remember the VHS cover and that it, it was- also has Jane Wyman playing like a totally cunty Aunt Polly. I just remember it's an yeah. old as fuck movie. It's old. So I need to watch it again. That's my point. So halfway through writing this Pollyanna remake with Pee Wee Herman, which honestly sounds amazing and I would love to see it, he looks around Warner Brothers and starts noticing that everyone's riding a bike. Uh, That inspires him to write a new script with Phil Hartman, and that script will turn out to be Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Now, he had at the time seen Tim Burton's movies, including like Frankenweenie, and he wanted that to be the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And as we all know, I mean, this is a great movie, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> I mean, this movie has, I think any true horror fan knows that Pee Wee's Big Adventure has arguably the greatest horror moment in movie history. Oh, yeah. Large and- Marge. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's scary. not even in a horror film, but that is arguably one of the scariest moments in cinema. Uh, Large I Marge. think it's. A great movie. I yeah. really liked it when I saw it. I haven't seen it in a while, I... but I'm sure I would still like it. I also find it to be one of Tim Burton's best movies. <laughs> like, you I feel like that what? is definitely one of his best movies. People for always me. forget that that's a, well, I mean, maybe not. I'm just speaking out of my ass. But like, you it's not what's thought of as a Tim Burton movie. Right. Yeah. But that is one of his great, great movies. I think so. It also brought us tequila. It's, I mean, there's a lot of iconic pop culture references that, that started, like Francis, Dottie, like the whole, like... Dottie, yeah. I'm a loner. <laughs> yeah, Francis. So, obviously, Francis, Francis was such a great character. I always think of Francis when I see, like, that type of Guy. nerdy fucking, like, just a fucking... I just punch love him. how, like, the contempt Pee-wee has for him. He's like, Francis. Yeah, I hate him. So, um... Obviously, this movie is a huge success, and at this point, CBS approaches him to do a cartoon series based on Pee-wee, and I guess it's just not great, and then they agree to have um, him act, produce, and direct a live-action children's program, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yay. Yay. They actually get a huge budget, $325,000 per episode. They got Cindy Lauper to do the theme song. And that's like the same price that a primetime sitcom would get, which is like astronomical for a Saturday morning or whenever that was. Well, I mean, if, I mean, if you think about it, Desi, first of all, it had one of the best set set designs of any show ever. Also, it had 
uh, cartoons. It had uh, claymation. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like this. And it had great people in it. It had Lawrence Fishburne, S. Apartha, um, Markerson. Yeah. And then obviously the Missy Vaughn, which was uh, Lynn, um, God, I can't, Lynn Stewart. And it introduced us to the great Natasha Leone. Oh, right. She played yeah. one of the children on it. And as you said, it had the theme song by Cindy Lauper. I mean, I love to like uh, Mekaleka High, Mecca Heine. Oh, like, Jombie. Like, yeah. Jombie's an icon. Yeah. My favorite, one of my favorite segments on Pee Wee's Playhouse was the Penny cartoons. Yeah. Because I loved Penny so much. I oh, wanted right. to I wanted to be Penny. <laughs> she was like such a free spirit. And it was definitely designed to be educational and like a real kid show. But right. it had this appeal to adults, yeah. kind of much like his earlier stuff with Pee Wee. Um, despite the fact that it was really geared towards kids, like genuinely, it was yeah. not like irony, like, but adults obviously picked up on it stuff too. Like yeah. it's sort of the best type of kids show in my opinion that adults can kind of not kill themselves <laughs> listening to it or watching it. Um, he also started, um, really making an effort to make Pee Wee be a positive role model. He kind of made sure he was teaching children the ex- ethics of res- reciprocity. 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 God, I can never say that word. So he he knew that kids liked it because it was colorful. It had all those great, you know, fast-paced kind of things. It kept things moving forward. And then he also knew that that the parents loved the nostalgia factor of this type of kids show kind of existing. So after the success of Pee-wee's Big Adventure and the TV show, he began working on a sequel to the, the first movie called Big Top Pee-wee. Um, now this movie is directed by Grease director Randall Kleiser, and this film was not as successful as the first movie. It was not as good. No, it's not. Um, he attends the 1988 Academy Awards with the co-star from that movie, Valeria Golina, and that started kind of rumors that they were dating, but they actually, I don't think they were because just a short time later, he exchanges vows with Doris Duke's adopted daughter, Shandy Hefner, at a wedding over which Imelda Marcos presided, the Shangri-La, like at the Shangri-La, which was Doris Duke's uh, mansion in Honolulu, Hawaii. Isn't that an insane wedding? Yeah. <laughs> He's married by Imelda Marcos. That's wild. And Doris Duke. Like, honestly, I want to do a show on Doris Duke because I'm will. obsessed with her. But that's like insane. And I had no idea he was ever even married, quite honestly. Peebee's Playhouse airs from September 13th, 1986 to November 10th, 1990. Now, he had originally agreed to do two more seasons after that. Uh, and then at some point, CBS asks him if he'll like sign on for six seasons. And that he declines. And then he eventually decides that he wants to just take a sabbatical. Uh, he had been burnt out from doing Pee Wee all of this time, which I'm sure is very exhausting. I like, mean, he's essentially been playing the same character in every right. film and TV right. role for like a decade. So they kind of agree that they're going to end things, but he'll come back to do specials and whatnot with CBS. Like, as I said before, towards the end of all of this, he really had started making Pee Wee to be this great role model for children, like just being morally positive and all of this kind of stuff. He um, went to great lengths to never be photographed smoking because he was a smoker. And he even refused to endorse certain candies and junk food. Like, that's how serious he he took this. He wanted to be wholesome. Right. So he does eventually get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as Pee Wee Herman. He becomes a massive cult figure. He's also generating tons of merchandise as Pee Wee Herman. That's generating like $25 at its peak in, in 1988. He publishes books as him. Like, I mean, it's huge. So, obviously, with this wholesome image, it's pretty fucking shocking when in July of 1991, while he's visiting his relatives in Sarasota, Florida, Paul Rubens is arrested for masturbating during a film at an adult movie theater. So, okay. According to the county sheriff's office, um, three detectives go to the Triple X South Trail Cinema to watch what the audience is doing in a triple bill feature movie. (laughs) Feature bill. The three films, by the way, are Catalina, 5-0, Tiger Shark, (laughs) Nurse Nancy. 
I mean, you know what I that remember, is. I remembered the nurse Nancy. And turn up the heat. I mean, this sounds like classic fucking early old 90s porn. old school porn. Yeah. Where it's just like, it doesn't even matter. It's tiger shark pussy 19. Like, no one fucking cares. Right. You're just like, you know it's tiger shark. You know it's going to be good. And you know what? He's been visiting his parents all weekend. He's bored <laughs> as fuck. What the fuck do you think people are doing in there? Just sitting with their hands folded and that's it? Yeah. Like, it is like the It's big... not like a camaraderie thing. <laughs> right. Like, this Let's is hot, watch. right? Like, Dude, this will get you hard. <laughs> Me, same. <laughs> like, it is just like the biggest cop move to go into a porno theater and be like, we're going to catch people. It's like a weird. It's like, what I are don't you guys like, doing? Like, just, that like, is just like the latest. Like, I feel like the guy, when I was at the film forum watching, like, a film, like an old film, he was jerking off behind me. That was inappropriate. <laughs> Wait, is that a real story? Yes. Yes, Rachel. <laughs> I went to the film forum, which is an art house movie theater in New York City, and a guy was jerking off behind See, me. See, that's inappropriate. That's, you should be arrested for that because this is not a jerk off movie. It right. was a foreign film that was not nudity. <laughs> I mean, even so, it's like that's sort of like we're, we're all going we're, to the theater. It's like nice. Yeah, I'm trying to have a nice time. But if you're going to the porno theater and someone's jerking off. No, that's off, different. Don't be a fucking narc. It's a narc move. Like, yeah. It is such a Get over move. yourself. Like, it's like they don't have enough arrest that month. And they're like, let's go get some people. You're in Sarasota, like, yeah. Florida. Isn't someone eating <clears throat> someone's face? Let like, people jerk off. Let them Sarah, jerk They off. live in Florida. Come on. They set up the stinger operation. They arrest three men on charges of exposure of sexual organs. Oh, gross. <laughs> and they said that they saw one man masturbate um, in that darkened theater that night, and that was Paul Rubens. When detectives, like, whatever, look at his driver's license, Rubin tells them at that point, I'm Pee Wee Herman, and he offers to do a children's benefit for the sheriff's office. <laughs> Not the best call, I, I will say. <laughs> So he can kind of like take care of it. He's like, right. don't arrest me. I'm Pee Wee Herman. I'll do a benefit for you guys. Right. For children. <laughs> for children, wink. Um, can you imagine any other circumstance where that would be appropriate? Right. <laughs> like if it was just some rando right. guy, like, that would be come so on, wrong. I'll do a clown show. You can find all your kids. <laughs> so. Uh, he also offers the Sarasota Herald Tribune, like the same offer. Like he's really trying to keep this story yeah. quiet, right? Poor guy. Um, this is not the first time he was actually arrested. In 1971, he had been arrested in the same county for loitering and prowling near an adult theater. Those charges are dropped. And he was also arrested in 1983 uh, for like possession of marijuana. Uh, so nothing like major. Right. <clears throat> so after he's arrested, he flies to Nashville where his sister and lawyer lives. And then he goes on to New Jersey where he stays for a few months with um, a friend at Doris Duke's New Jersey. Do you remember estate. his mugshot? Yes, of course. That was the first time <laughs> I had seen him outside of Pee Wee Herman. And it, was like, and it was shocking. It was shocking. Because you're like, that guy jerks off in a movie theater. <laughs> like, that's the look. Right. It's exactly what you think a guy jerking off in the movie theater would look like. Right? <laughs> I mean, it I was, was literally tr triggered. It was <laughs> I was like, this guy dated my mom and then was like, hey, you're developing. <laughs> That's who that guy looked like. Like, it was insane. We'll post a, a mugshot yeah. of Huey Herman. So, obviously, this story is a big story. Oh, my Rachel. God. It was huge. And especially, like, I mean, it was a huge story, just like his shows, for both children and adults. Well, and that's what made it so big i think because it's like this kid show who was this wholesome right. like peewee herman and despite seeing the mugshot you still can't he help but think peewee herman was jerking <laughs> off and like to nurse nancy right and nurse nancy sounds like a character could be on peewee's playhouse <laughs> <laughs> totally but like i just remember like it was just as big of a story on the playground as I'm sure oh, it was. Really? Okay. At, yes. Yeah. Like all yeah. the kids were like, Pee Wee took his Pee Wee out. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously everything goes to fucking shit at this point yeah. for him. Toys R Us pulls all of the Pee Wee toys out of the stores. Um, his syndication deal is basically canceled, like, which is a ton of money. Um, Cause no one wants to show this um, 
children's show with a sex offender or whatever. This is like, I'm so, like, the the villains of this story are the fucking cops. Oh, absolutely. Like, they are the absolute villains. They fucking, it's like, you know what? He wasn't doing this in front of children. He wasn't doing this, like, in a public place. The other guys around him were jerking off. Like, let them live their fucking lives. I do feel like this is a story that would not be big nowadays. Like as as much as it was then, yeah. Like definitely. in a destroying way. Like I think it would be a big story. People would be like, "Oh my god!" But I don't think R- it would ruin his career like it did back then. Right. That's just my opinion. I just think this is like such an example of like just like puritanical bullshit gone amok, and cops who just want to be fucking villains. Right. So he basically initially kind of denies that he was jerking off. Then he pleads no contest. Um, that keeps the charge off his record, but he is obligated to do 75 hours of performing community service, and he makes two anti-drug public service announcements, Rachel, one of which is insane. Wait, the crack one? Yeah, I'm going to read it to you. So he also does a cla- one with claymation character Penny. Did you ever see that one? Yeah. Okay. So you can see the PSA is on YouTube where uh, Pee Wee Herman explains the dangers of crack cocaine. And here's what he says. I thought that was before the... No. Oh. So he says in this PSA, this is crack cocaine. By the way, he's dressed as Pee Wee Herman <laughs> and he's doing the Pee Wee no, Herman No, I folks. know. He goes, this, <laughs> he goes, this, this, is crack he goes, this is crack cocaine. <laughs> it isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. It's the most addictive kind of cocaine and it can kill you. What's really bad is no one knows how much it takes, so every time you use it, you risk dying. It isn't worth it. Look, everyone wants to be cool, but doing it with crack just isn't wrong. It could be dead wrong. Then the heartbeat beats up really, really fast, and something flashes on the screen that says, don't even try it. The thrill can kill. (laughs) After watching that, I was like, I'm going to do crack, because I was mad. (laughs) I was like, how is this going to make me... I was like, this is like reefer madness level of stupid like i'm not saying crack is great but the way they act like it's gonna die every time Look, you Desi, do it like first of all let's set the record to you. Straight. crack is great let's just go there okay. but it will ruin your life <laughs> both can be true both can, can be, be true. True. true okay um the ad is really funny if you've never seen it yeah, you have to check it out because it's it's not to be believed that someone thought that that was a good idea <laughs> like it's truly it's insane in the voice i don't get why Wee herman would ever talk about this it was Amazing. That, that was more offensive crack. than him jerking <laughs> off. It's truly offensive. Right. I, I can't I would be more upset if a kid saw that <laughs> and jerking off. Totally. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. Okay, so despite this bad publicity and corporations kind of dro- dropping him, a lot of celebrities defend him, and yeah. he has fans like literally in the streets saying, bring back Pee-wee or whatever they're saying. <laughs> The other funny person who defended him was Bill Cosby. And he said at the time, whatever he has done, this is being blown all out of proportion. But now we know he was trying to make cover for his future crimes coming out. He's like, look, I need to protect other sex offenders. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine how, I mean, that was probably a great get back then though, getting Bill Cosby. Oh yeah. Because he was like the moral authority at the time. So all of his co-stars and directors, like people are really standing by him, which is definitely nice. I mean, they should because it's an insane thing to have your life ruined over. He doesn't really appear on uh, talk shows or give interviews about it, but he does make a very famous public mm-hmm. appearance uh, as Pee Wee on the 1991 MTV Video Music Awards. And he asked the audience, heard any good jokes lately? Like that was the comedic timing of that moment. Right. When he got up on the stage, he gets up on the stage. He kind of just stands there for a minute. He like lets it sink in. All the, yeah. Everyone's laughing and applauding. And then he goes, heard any good jokes yeah. lately? It's a very Hugh Grant. I felt like as far as like a very successful rebound from a scandal, it's like making fun of yourself is definitely the way to go in that instance and not hiding from it and acting ashamed because neither one of them should be ashamed. No, Uh, absolutely. Absolutely not. not. So he does kind of rebound. He gets um, roles in a ton of movie throughout the nineties, including the uh, film version of Buffy, the vampire slayer, Tim Burton movie, Batman returns. He plays the penguins father, uh, and the nightmare before Christmas, he starts dating actress Debbie Mazur in 1993. And he really credits her with helping him pull out of that depression Aww. after that period, which is really sweet. Cause she's so fucking nineties, right? Debbie like, Mazur. I, like I love her so much. He also gets a recurring role on Murphy Brown, which he is nominated for an Emmy Award for um, guest actor in a comedy series. He goes on to get like a TV deal. He creates a pilot called Meet the Muckles, um, a show that's based on You Can't Take It With You. Um, That just kind of gets stuck in development. And people always speculate that he was still kind of blacklisted after his troubles. Um, In 19... 99 he begins to make a lot of appearances now as paul rubens like he starts getting out there more as himself he also has a big sort of role as a flamboyant hairdresser in um blow did you see that movie i remember he was in right so that's 2001 that's a johnny depp movie everyone was always like gets super praised for this because it was literally the opposite right i remember like oh my god peewee and blow right okay so Things are going pretty well for him as an actor. Uh, he's working a lot, I guess. Um, in November of 2002, he's filming David LaChapelle's video for Elton John's This Train, Don't Stop There Anymore. I don't recall the video. At that point, while he's filming this video, he learns that police are at his home with a search warrant and that they have found over 70,000 items of memorabilia two grainy videotapes and dozens of photographs that the city attorney has characterized as a collection of child pornography. At Pee-wee's house? Yes. They obtained the warrant after receiving a tip from a witness in the pornography case against actor Jeffrey Jones. Now, I'm going to go into Jeffrey Jones at this point. Jeffrey Jones was born in Buffalo, New York. Um, he basically, from the get-go of his the start of his life, his mom was always pushing him into becoming an actor. He went to the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, started working on stage in the early 70s, and then eventually goes on to get small film parts in uh, film and television. 
And then several big roles in the 80s in a lot of movies that you probably all know and love. His first big role is in Milos Forman's um, Amadeus. He yep. plays uh, the Holy Roman Emperor in that movie. And his performance is like widely uh, praised mm-hmm. as just like a perfect, superficial, self-absorbed ruler type role. Uh, so he's getting praise from the New York Times. And he also earns a nomination for the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor that year. His next big role, and probably his most famous, is as Mr. Rooney in the film Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which came out in 1986. This role really made him a cultural icon. Yes. I mean, it is an iconic role. And honestly, like that is such a... That is such a movie I have a different perspective on now as an adult <laughs> that I did when I watched it. Because now I'm almost, like, rooting for Mr. Rooney. Because I'm like, Ferris is an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say now as an adult, knowing what I know about Jeffrey Jones, I'm, like, wincing watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, I like, definitely that's a movie I've seen, like, a hundred times. I just think, I don't think Ferris is cool anymore. Like, that's my m- main takeaway. And I can understand why Mr. Rooney is upset with him. Like... I mean, look, f- whatever. I'm not, not like- talking about his personal life outside of the movie. Okay, we're talking about the character. Look, yeah. Ferris definitely is a rich little dipshit. I, I, since I was a kid, always rooted for Cameron and still root for Cameron. Uh, Cameron is my idol. I fucking love Cameron. He, he's even, the best. Even though he he's a rich fuck, he's like the sensitive character because his dad's an asshole. His dad's so an asshole, and he's just more interesting. Anyway, if you don't know the movie, it's like a real. Roadrunner, Wiley Coyote type thing. Like he can right. never catch Ferris, right? And it's just that kind of thing. I I haven't seen the movie in forever, but it's definitely like a classic '80s teen movie. So I don't know if you need to see everything that fits that genre. Check it out, right? Um, I don't know if it's good still, but there's definitely interesting things in it. There's also like a young Charlie Sheen and Jennifer Grey. Like there's that weird yeah. moment at the end. I don't know. It's definitely like an iconic movie. Whether I don't or not know. It still holds up. I have no idea. Did, you know what? Write into the show if you haven't seen Ferris Bueller because I will be shocked. Right. So his other big movie from that period is Beetlejuice. Um, yes. And he plays uh, the dad. He plays the dad. So I mean, there's a very big scene with him in that the Deo scene and like yeah. whatever it's an iconic movie as well so he goes on to collaborate with Burton again and uh Ed Wood and Sleepy Hollow um so he has a pretty good career going he has this sec- successful career until the year 2002 and that's when Jones is arrested for possession of child pornography and he's also accused by a 17 year old boy of asking him to pose for nude photographs now, he pleads no contest to this felony charge of soliciting a minor, um, as the boy was, I guess, 14 when it supposedly started. The, misdeme- the misdemeanor charge of possession of child pornography is dropped. That's a misdemeanor. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, sh- that's shocking to me. That is really shocking. Um, I mean, he basically doesn't really admit to it, and he basically says he never bothered the boy. He does get probation, and he's obviously required to register as a sex offender, which he kind of gets in trouble for not doing a few times throughout the 2000s. It's during his arrest that Paul Rubens gets dragged into this. As I mentioned before, a witness basically drags Paul Rubens, like narked on Paul Rubens, like, oh, he's like into into the child pornography stuff too. Jesus. So Rubens' lawyer at the time, Kelly Bush, she says that the items that were taken, like the description of the items were inaccurate from that witness. And she claims that the objects were um, 30 to a 30 to 100 like kitsch collectible images, like basically saying this was like vintage, whatever, erotica. It wasn't child um, that porn. That kind of stuff. The other thing he had was Rob Lowe's sex videotape, which would be child porn actually, yeah. like under the strict definition of it, because as we all know, uh, if you don't know, Rob Lowe, when he's like a member of the Brat Pack, kind of at the height of his initial fame, he goes to, um, I guess it was Michael Dukakis, like the Democratic National Convention, which was in Atlanta that year. He meets two women at a bar. He takes them back to the hotel room, does like a really, really sad uh, sex tape with them. <laughs> and then it comes to, we come to find out the girl in the video was 16 years old. Right. So this is like a very early on celebrity sex tape scandal like i mean like literally vhs like it was like the first i think it was like the first big one with someone who was not like a sex star maybe like yeah or known for that uh he turns himself in 
to the LAPD. He's charged with possession of obscene material that has a child under the age of 18 in it. He basically, the the district attorney kind of looks at all of the stuff and decides to drop the felony charges again against him. He also gets charged with a misdemeanor. He basically pleads not guilty, um, and nothing really happens at that point. Um, they kind of just... The, the trial just kind of goes away, like, basically. Like, yeah. nothing really goes but, forward. But, but Paul Rubens didn't actually have possession of child no. porn. No. In 2004, the, the charges are all officially dropped. So what was the confusion? Why did they think... I guess they had this witness. They go in and found something that kind of fit it, and they just decide to go forward prosecuting So they him. put that in the press that... Yeah, That's... I mean, because the Jeffrey Jones story was pretty big, and then obviously Pee Wee Herman had his little history already. So I don't understand the connection between him and Jeffrey Jones. I don't either. I guess someone was, like, uncovering some Hollywood child porn thing, or maybe they right. had shared images or something. Maybe they both had these vintage erotica collections. But the vintage erotica wasn't... I'm. They must have been friends because they both worked with Ted... Uh, Tim Burton, like I bet you they right. were just in the same circle, so but maybe they, they. But I'm, but but the vintage erotica wasn't child porn. No, but it's possible the stuff that Jeffrey Jones had also was a, a like a similar type thing because he also got off on like a pretty low charge. Do you know what I mean? Like the the child thing, soliciting the photographs was the thing he really got busted for more than right. his collection. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. He just got tied up in that case somehow. Like interesting. Yeah. So as I said, the charges are eventually dropped from him, but he does have to register with the, the sheriff's office for a while and not be in the company of minors for a few years. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Yeah. Uh, he does release a statement basically saying in no way is he ever, turned on at all by children like he does make an adamant statement like right. that's not my interest right like, I, I i like nance nurse nancy <laughs> <laughs> right trust me my i have a very particular taste i think we all yeah. know that so he does sort of after that he goes on to like stay in florida for for years his father is terminally ill eventually dying in 2004 after all this shit show uh, around the same time, all 45 episodes of The Playhouse, um, including six unreleased episodes, are finally put out on DVD. Um, so he that kind of starts making him money again. I mean, he really starts kind of having a rebirth as yes. Kiwi. Like, his look becomes like a style icon, mm -hmm. like a lot of fashion houses sort of start riffing on mm -hmm. that kind of style, like uh, Victor and Rolf and uh, Prada to name a few, just that like tight little suit and like right. whatever, it definitely becomes sort of an inspiration. In 2007, Nike releases a collection of sneakers called Fallen Heroes. Do you know about this? No. Uh, it's a collection um, that's inspired by Millie Vanilli, Vanilla Ice, Pee Wee Herman, MC Hammer. Oh my God. <laughs> and Pee Wee's sneaker is like the gray and white like colors of the suit with a red detail. Um, on, on the insole is an illustration of a man with a suit sitting alone in a theater with his hand in his lap. Stop it. Yeah. I want to see those shoes. Amazing. So he, you know, he's still going to do some peewee stuff. He wants to open up a museum with all the props and like whatever that he still owns. All yeah. of that stuff from the peewee's playhouse. I want that couch, Cherry. Seriously. It's so cute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and basically it's like becomes okay to like it again. Like people are putting it out. People are right. playing it on TV. Uh, several television shows that come out in the 2000s, including like SpongeBob SquarePants, like the creator of that, Stephen Hilleberg, says this is an influence. Like, Absolutely. Everything is just like, it's okay to like Pee Wee again. Jones is like on Deadwood. I don't know if he'll be in the next movie, but I mean, that's just sort of their connection. Now, that is the end of those two things. But I wanted to bring up one last um, example of celebrity indecent exposure arrest that I'll probably never, we'll never fill another episode, so I'm just fucking tagging it on here. And he's also a comedic icon, uh, so it kind of just fits. And that is the arrest of um, actor Fred Willard. Now, this happened as uh, I was talking to Rachel about it before. It's only like a few, it's like from 2012. Yeah. So it's pretty recent. If you don't know Fred Willard, I mean, come on. You've seen him in stuff You know before. Fred Willard. He is in Best in Show. That's like my favorite movie. His biggest movie probably is Anchorman. Uh, he's just in all of those fucking he's classic been in stuff comedies. Since he's forever. hilarious. Yeah. So interesting enough, the place where he's arrested at is the Tiki Theater, 
Rachel, which yeah. is right down the road on Santa Monica Boulevard from where Rachel and I record this show. I pass it all the time and I always, I look at it every time I pass it and go, I would love to know what's going on in there right now because it just looks like a triple X theater. Right. It is just so old school, right. scummy, jerk off theater. Totally. Like it's just whatever. He's in this 65 seat theater, which is, I would hate to be there on a full house. <laughs> Like, I feel like, Max, we need 20 seats yeah. in that kind of place. Right. Otherwise, it's like, That's come a over, theater. bro. Come on. Uh, can you even imagine? Oh, my oh, God. Man. How it like, do you get there? popcorn? Like, what? <laughs> what is it? So he's in this theater with four other customers who are in there watching. Maybe half the seats are just for buffer zones, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, 23 minute, minutes after he arrives, two officers who were part of an anti-prostitution law enforcement detail pop into this theater, which has been there for 38 years and is a known place where people are engaging in illicit acts. Yeah, like, I mean, come, it's on, like, come on, guys. But the LAPT, LAPD routinely monitors these adult theaters. I guess there's like three, like right around that few block area, uh, including the Tiki, which is, by the way, open 24 hours a day. Never a great sign. <laughs> um, and according to the guy who's like the doorman, He's like a man named Mr. Jaffor. He says, police come in here for routine checking all the time. They come here many times, sometimes four or five times a week. They are checking to see if people are drinking or jacking off. Don't they have have anything better to do? No, they don't. So um, seconds after the officers walk into this dimly lit theater, they spot Willard sitting in the back row, which is like right next to the entrance. Uh, they said the officers asked Willard to stand up. Uh, <laughs> He's like, sir, I can't. Yes. I mean, the classic stand up. Like, you can't really. It's like, well, hold on a second. Like, <laughs> let me there's tuck nothing it you in, can do. Let me tuck it into my waistband. I mean, it's a lot. So they handcuff him and bring him outside. By the way, he's 78 years old I know. at this time. So that's like crazy that they that is elder abuse in. i mean it is it fucking is... That he was also elder abuse <laughs> he is wiener <laughs> he was beating that old he wiener was doing some elder you abuse too fuck those cops it's embarrassing um the theater manager described him as not being excited or scared <laughs> and he was telling the police that he was innocent and didn't do anything at all I believe him. Uh, the two officers then go back inside the theater, return a few minutes later. Um, the, the theater manager speculated that the policeman went inside to look for evidence. And his quote evidence? Is, his quote is, he went to see if there was any jack-off semen. No, <laughs> he did not say jack-off yes, semen. jack-off semen. What it's like, we, are, we know what it came from, jack-off semen. What is wrong with these cops? Um, so he hears the police officers telling, like talking to one another about letting Willard go, but they decide to arrest Willard on a suspicion of engaging in a lewd act. They take him to the Hollywood police station and he's released on $500 bail. He gets a citation. Like, I don't think anything happens, but obviously this arrest makes the news. It was a big story. And you know what? I remember when this story broke and there was the one big question, why in 2012, is someone? Why are? How do these jack-off theaters still exist? It must be because people have like a fetish for it. Maybe I think so because I was talking to someone about this recently. Our friend Eli, who talks about this all the time, he likes going to them. I think there is like a public, like someone might see me fetish or not getting yeah, caught right. fetish. So even though that you know there, it's like a psychological thing. You, it's kind of like, I don't want to get caught, even though, you know, everyone's there to do that. Like right. there's still this sense of doing something wrong that can be a turn on, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for me, honestly, it's like the fact that it's so kind of, those theaters are so disgusting. Do you know what I mean? Like that would not let me come. Cause I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> It's a little like, too it's all, Not all hot people have come in here. Right. right. <laughs> it's, all, it's not the people I want to fuck. Right. I don't want their cum. Um, so the theater manager goes on to say that this happens many, many times. Uh, and then... <laughs> Wait, what happens? The cum like or the people, arrest? The people are just with their pants open. Like I He's mean, basically saying, this is what this is for, you fucking idiots. Yeah. And then the, this article ends. It's really hilarious that they say... Um, Jafar says business has been slow because of the bus, despite the film, th- despite offering such films as King Dong Volume 2 and <laughs> Nutbusters. Nut like, 
Wait, Desi, is that King Kong and Ghostbusters? I think so. King Dong, Volume 2, and Nutbusters. I mean, honestly, who is going into these theaters, looking over to your right, and being like, oh, oh, someone has their pants down. I just came in here to enjoy King yeah. Dong. Excuse me, there are children. <laughs> I came here with my children. By the way, some other side notes to this story. Uh, he paid $13 to go into this theater. That's a good deal. Uh, he also, it's a triple bill. Is that like a standard thing? You get three movies for $13? Right. But I'm saying that's less expensive. That's like a lot that's less a expensive less than the Arclight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the movies he saw that night were Follow Me 2, The Client List Parody, and Stepdad Number 2. How is Stepdad Number 2 only on two? <laughs> That has to be on number 2,000. Come on. Have you ever seen uh, the movie? It's from the 80s called The Stepfather. Uh, absolutely, Rachel. I fucking love that movie. That with movie, Terry Quinn. Yeah, and you see his dick in it, too. It's so good. It's I fucking such love a that good movie. movie. Now, uh, just one last thing I'm going to tell you about. Fred obviously has a great sense of humor about this, and he tweets out shortly after this um, arrest, Wait till you hear my version. Much more PG. And my review, lousy film. But theater would make a terrific racquetball court. Full story to follow. <laughs> you know so, what? Good for him. Good for him. He has a great little story. No one cares that he jerked off at that age. No. And I think the police need to get a fucking life. I mean, really. Like, like. <sighs> What are they fucking doing? What yeah. are they doing? What what why what is your job? What are you fucking doing? Also, what, that must be the worst shift. Like if you're like, God, I don't want to go to the jerk off theater <laughs> and get the jack off semen on my shoes. Like it has to be the one no one wants to no, do. Right? I think they like they, doing it. They Desi. also oh no, really? Oh, yeah, they like mean. Yes, because yeah. they're on a fucking power trip. Right. Yeah, you'd have to, because why else would anyone not have sympathy for these men, that is like, especially other men. That is just such a cop move. I'm going to go arrest some poor 78-year-old guy at a jerk-off theater while there's probably a murder happening down the street. Exactly. Like, like you say, you have no resources. Don't waste them on this. Right. No one cares. I want them to be jerking off in the theater. Me too. And not on the street. Right. And not <laughs> fucking hurting someone. Right. Jerk off in the theater. I don't care if all those guys go in there and jerk off. Right. No one cares. We no. all, none of us want to jerk them off. <laughs> His wife's not jerking His him off. His wife's tired. Right. She's probably in her 80s too. <laughs> like, she's done. Right. Her jerking off days are done. Her fucking hands have arthritis. <laughs> Rachel, I'm upset for Mrs. Willard. She She's not mad. No. She told him to go. She gave him the $13. Yes. She, she said, honey, she go in my purse. She opened up her swear jar, <laughs> took out $13, and had him go to Coinstar, make a night of it. <laughs> yeah, the, no one cares. There's a Coinstar at the pavilions down the Seriously, street. Seriously? We know how it works. Right. It's ridiculous. Ugh. So I'm glad that none of, I'm glad Fred Willard didn't get ruined. Or Pee Wee. I'm glad that everyone else, Jeffrey Jones, whatever. No, Jeffrey Jones, I definitely have He's a little more crip you know creepy, what? but he is yeah. good in Deadwood. I'll give him that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're all assholes and horrible people in Deadwood, so it works in a way. I got to get into the show because you were talking about someone's eyeball got ripped out. I said, now I'm interested. Damn it to hell when I saw that. <laughs> I almost lost my fucking mind because I it was like worse than Lord o, whatever Oberon. It's worse than that really? scene where the mountain gouges his eyes out. Really? Yes, Rachel. It is your nightmare of what happens when someone pulls your eyeball out. Ooh. And it's a horrible fight scene that's so realistic. But Ooh. like their eyeball is literally ripped out and dangling. It's oh my horrible. God. I can't wait to watch. The I like show. it because the guy's like, you ripped my eyeball out, which wait. is literally what I would say. <laughs> He says you ripped my eye. He says, he literally says, like, you pulled my eye. Like, he's in horrible pain. But it's like, I imagine, like, you would have to at right. least just say you it. You have to acknowledge it's like, it. I need to accept what just happened here. <laughs> right. You ripped my fucking eyeball out. Right. Like, over I, the top much? <laughs> I probably would say that. Yeah. So I'd it's probably, a pretty intense scene. Whatever happened to just breaking a nose? Seriously? Crush my f fucking f hand with a hammer. No, break, something normal. <laughs> I'm saying break my nose so I can go in and get a nose job right. after. Well, I mean, this guy does end up dying. So, I mean, the eyeball was the least of his worries. Yeah. But still, yeah. what a horrible final few minutes. Right, that's where your awful. fucking eyeball is dangling. Of course, I was like, can you still see? <laughs> like, is the eyeball still seeing? I want the PO. I want the POV from the from the dangling eyeball that's just like bouncing around. Right. That would have been. That like would be amazing. Put me 
charge of Hollywood. I have great ideas. You know what? If it was Breaking Bad, I'm sure the director would have right. had the POV of the eyeball. Right. Maybe because it's set in the Old West, they were just like, oh, that wouldn't be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know. Maybe right. I'll talk to a doctor one day about this, and he'll be like, well, why do I get a medical degree to talk to this idiot? <laughs> That's my dream. You know what else? Um, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, I'm just okay. so excited about this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, thank you. It was a goofy episode, I yeah, think. Yeah, we needed we that. We needed it. And go give us five stars on iTunes. Not four. Give us five. Just do it. Come on. We love five. Someone, <laughs> whatever. I don't even, yeah. I only read the reviews that we're going to give awards to. Okay. I don't read the bad reviews. Yeah, we can scan right past I've, them. So I, don't even bother. I read the bad reviews in the beginning, and it's like, you know what? All the bad reviews are the same complaints. You don't like that women swear. You know what? Fuck my dick. Yeah, and suck it, and then suck fuck my it. Slot and my dick. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. The show says explicit on it. Absolutely, go fuck yourself. And stop being a baby. Really, Grow I like up. the person who wrote a review. They're like, you're just a, the people who complain about the swearing are just dumb losers. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Dude. Uh, whatever. So yeah, give us five stars. We're very nice people, and <laughs> come, jo- <laughs> come join us on Facebook and Instagram. We yeah. post pictures when we remember, and we have a Twitter. Sometimes we're on there. You can tweet at us, and yeah. we'll fave it at least. Right. <laughs> we really do have the coolest listeners. We're not mad. We're not owned. Okay. Bye. All right. That's it. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 